the we're meyached every year Narzel Levonin to speak about one of the Arzel Levonin that's closer to us nowadays. People that went through the Churban or died in the Churban and to be misyached with the Edmus. This year I want to be misyached with somebody that in many ways Rava Hester Alagolui someone that many people don't even know he existed he was somebody that was Lamaila from the world in my home he was a household name he was probably possibly the god of Lita his name was Remotre Pagermanski he was my um, he well, my, he wasn't my father to get in the ghetto. There's a Yid, Shimon Segal, he's very close with us, and he was Mishamis Reb Motcha. And a lot of the things I know from there, somebody put a lot of work in and put together a biography, was Choike, this Nemonis, um, matched stories and gave the versions, very, very Nemondika um, uh, biography. That came out just recently, and um, that's basically where so I'm coming from. It's a part of what I grew up with. It's a name I grew up with. The people who knew him carry his name with. They, they mention his name Besiludin. Many people don't know, and to be mala the mus like that, it's befitting that somebody who went through it all, and in many ways became a manik during that kufa died shortly afterwards a few years afterwards um, is, is the dmus that we want to try to um, be misyachist to he was born in 1904 in a small town Tavrik in near in Litten near Germany unfortunately like many families his family was not from um, the, it was right over the border of Germany. It was a border town, and it, he was born and not from family. When at the end of World War One in 1918, Rebellion Lopian decided to go around to towns to Darshan and to sort of be Machazik. After World War One, Europe was devastated, besides physically, but. For, for five years, there had been no learning, there had been no kehila, no rabbonim, no rabbonis. In many, many ways, the final Yerida Ruchnis of Klal Yisrael in Europe was in the wake of World War I, where Lastim Lastayin, there was no cold, there was no kehilas, there was nothing. And Bimela, they, um, there was a, a tremendous Ruchniistic uh, wasteland. In rebellion, the take of, of um, being about Muslim, Zakharab, a phenomenal speaker, went from town to town. And he came to Tavrik and he spoke very, very strongly about Torah and what Torah is. And a 14 year old boy went over to him and said he was very inspired by the Drasha and he would like to come, he'd like to learn. It was the Motl Pogamansky. He, and he, he was very, very, he was, he was brilliant. He was an Ilu Otsum, very capable. And he already at 14 had a, had a business concern that was doing quite well. And he told Rebellion that I can only come for a few months because I have a, a whole business. Rebellion took him back to Kelm to the Shivaktana. Shivaktana is like a high school age in those days. And um, learned with him. He said that the schmoozing that he spoke were all aimed at this one person. And he took to it. But, and he was, to understand where he was in Ruchnius at that time, Rebellion had him eat in his house, Shabbos. And he told his kids, we're going to have a guest. He's going to do things that look like Chul Shabbos to you, but he just doesn't know better. Don't say anything. I don't want anybody to say anything. Um, he just doesn't know, and he'll learn. He went back after a few months to his business, disappeared one day from Yeshiva. Rebellion didn't give back and brought him back to Kelm. After two years in Kelm, there was nothing for him to do there. 
and he went to Tells. And he spent the next 10 years in Tells. To understand something about his Kishrin, Tells Yeshiva was extremely structured with a hierarchy, and there was no jumping from Shia to Shia, because they're going from place to place. Everything was set in stone. He went from the bottom Shia to the top Shia in a few months. And it, it was something that was incredible. It, it was something against everything that ever had been done there. It just, to give an, an idea of what his kitchen was like, the Bachman were jealous, and they would hack him a learning, and they realized that he never learned Yavamas. So they would always bring kashas from Yavamas. He, he began hopping that there's a reason why everybody here is asking for Yavamas. So he cleared his storm for three days. He cleared out his storm completely. He made up for another days. And he sat down and in three days learned through Yavamas. And they couldn't hack him anymore in Yavamas. In three days. He, when he peaked, he would learn... 50 blood a day that was his state he, 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 was, he had trouble learning how to read as a young child the Malamid said he's a stupid kid, he can't read and the rub of the town hopped that he would read a page at a time, he couldn't focus on a letter he said you have to write one letter on one page because he's not going to learn letters otherwise his mind sees an entire page in one shot, that was his darga learning he began, he, he had a tremendous netia to Musa and, and became a profoundly deep al Musa. He would, um, he, his, his ideas and his thoughts were, were, were full of depth and with a tremendous care of Hashpah people. People were very taken by him. His zahirus in mitzvahs was incredible. It, it, it was something that um, shatness. He, he wouldn't. He, he wouldn't sit on anything that was upholstered because of shatness. He, he, his, his, he, he, he had a trouble. He didn't like to eat in company Shabbos because he, he, he never said why. He, he likes to eat privately. He once told somebody at point. I can't bear to see how people eat things. There's so many things they're doing Shalik Ashura. His, his, um, his Zahiris in, in Teloim and everything, everything, everything was an extraordinary dark of Zahiris. I, I want to bring one Nakud of, of, of Zahiris that was uncommon even. It wasn't in Lita. This was known afterwards. After the war, when it was in France for the last five years of his life, they read a Meshidach, and he was very active. They read a Meshidach, and they said, it's such and such a person. So he said, I guess I want to find out about... It. So he said, I, I need to see her. So the Shatchan, the Shatchan, whoever read a Meshidach, said to him, Ebmotl, she's the woman that eats together with you every Shabbos, and you talk. They ask, they talk. He said... I know who you're referring to, but I never saw her. He had to once, they asked once to bring something to the, the, Mr. Sternbuch. She was a tremendous ask in that solo. And, and, and Reb Mottl had with her tens and tens of conversations. All the Shilas would come to him, and she would come to him and talk through all the Nyanim. And so someone said, bring this letter to her. And he said, I don't know who she is. I can't recognize her. He said, Ramatl, Sternbuch, you've spoken to a hundred times. He said, Yes, I know, I know, I know what she sounds like. I can tell you what she said. I don't know what she looks like. That was his Kedusha. He he was something there and he was something not Mehai Alma in his in his mind, in his heart, in his humris, in his Kedusha. He learned Kabbalah. Reb Motl Gifter, I told somebody once, Reb Motl Gifter had a, was yearning from him a lot. Reb Motl Gifter told somebody once, he once came to Reb Motl's room at night, 8 o'clock at night, and Reb Motl was, was in the middle of learning Leshem. Leshem was one of the, the fundamental Kabbalists for him. And he asked, and, he, and Reb Motl told Reb Motl Gifter, um, Sit down. I'll, I'll, I'm in the middle of a, of, a, of a very, very 
deep sugya, less asar pony minei, and I want to, I'll share it with you. So Ramot Kiv says, I have no idea what it's about. I'm not shy to this. It's nothing. I'll talk. And he said, Reb Mottl spoke to him for four hours. And he said, it was as clear. It was crystal clear. He said it was incredible. He took an amazingly difficult sugya and brought it out on a table clear as and he said, and then he walked out of the room and he went back. And the whole thing sort of melted back again into the shadows. And he said it was incredible. It was four hours of absolute clarity on something that I knew nothing about. And he was previously Rhea totally. And it's gone. That was the, that was the Gavra as he grew up in Tells. In 1930, he felt he has to leave Tells. The old Dur of Hashivas will become older. The young Dur was going to come in. He felt his presence would stare the natural transition because they would look up to him. They would create issues. He was some. He was the thing to him that was anathema was has v'sholem to stare somebody else to be in somebody's way. And he picked himself up from Tells and he went to Kavna. We spent the next 10 years. He would come back to Tulls um, every so often, once or twice during his man. Again, Tulls was an incredibly regimented yeshiva. You, 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 didn't, you, you, you didn't sit with Shus, you didn't stand with Shus. There was no. Reb Mottl was above it. Reb Mottl was allowed to do things that no one else could do. He would come into yeshiva whenever he would come to Tulls. And as soon as we'd come, there would be a buzz, Reb Matl, Reb And he would take a look at the Gemara, where are you holding? They're holding here. And he would close his eyes and start saying a shear for two, three hours. And then he would say, I, I, I can't, I'm exhausted. He was a very weak person. And he would say that wherever they were holding, that was his most. And somebody described he would talk quietly, clearly, and was, again, able to present an, an Indian on the spot, wherever they were holding. He would give Vadim in his house, and people would come. And it was the same thing. He would talk softly, measured, tremendous, um, he would, with a tremendous amkus in the nefesh, and he would, um, and again, he would talk until he would say, I, he would say sometimes either I can't anymore, or I, I can't bring these things down lower anymore. I, I can't explain more. Those were two regular shyness. He had a tremendous, even though he himself was almost a hermit-like person, had so little to do with the Brias, his understanding of human beings, human nature, and people was extraordinary. And it would reflect itself in, in Ishmuzin. He would touch, he, he would, his Hezbeirim, in understanding people, understanding why people act in certain ways, and, and what motivates them, and so on, came across in the Shmuzen, and it had profound effects. He would do that in Tells, in Slabotka, and again, he was always super sensitive. Never, he would come, not come at a time with the other Shurim. He was very, very sensitive not to Shalom tread on someone else, but he was somebody, but, but he would come and we had tremendous hashpah. Ramot Gifta, the great tells of Shiva and Rabchaim Stein, were people who got from him tremendously. But somebody, two of the things they said of Ramot Gifta, somebody told Ramot Gifta something about him being a Talmud of Ramot And Ramot Gifta was Mizdazeh, he says, ah, Talmud? A Talmud? Do you know? I mean, what are you talking about? I was a kid, and this man was 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 a guy in Oilam. I, I was fortunate to be in his presence. A Talmud. Then someone else was trying to compare different Doilam, and he, so has to compare Remotl, and, and again, he became very agitated. He said, Remotl doesn't, they don't compare to Remotl. Remotl is in a world with himself. It's a different world, it's a different Metsias. There are no comparisons to him. That was, that was the, 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 the attitude. He was 
1939, he ended up in Vilna. Vilna was a, was a time of, that's when all the yeshivas, because the border from Poland to Lithuania moved because of Russia and Germany, um, many Talmidim ended up there. He spent a year there and he got to know, he, he was by Briskarov a few times, Haimaisa, somehow he ended back in Kovna. And in 1940, he ended up in Kovna Ghetto. Kovna was, until the war, that was the capital of Lita. That was the, that was the seat of Lithuanian Jewry. 40,000 people were herded into a tiny area, into the ghetto. In the beginning, the Germans, the Germans used to do what were called Axius. Axius were, um, they would have a big campaign to eliminate certain groups of people. So there was a big act at the beginning, and every time they eliminated people, they would shrink the ghetto. Um, then, and, but there were a few years in the middle that were relatively tranquil. You know, there was not much. I mean, there was always things going on, but relatively. The ghetto was liquidated in 1944, 45, 1945 probably. Um, most of the Jews, at the end of 44, 45, most of the Jews, whoever was left, was taken to Dachau, except for a few handful of people that hit out. We'll speak about that later. And he was, there were three big people in the ghetto. There was Kovnerov, the Dvarvram. Kovnerov was a sick man dying. He had cancer, and his children had visas for him to America. And he said, A captain doesn't leave a ship, I will go down with my ship. So he came, so Kovnerov was there. Kovnerov, in the beginning, was involved with some of the decisions because he, um, you know, was the gear about people and things like that. But then he got progressively more and more sick until he died in the, in the ghetto of, of cancer. There was Rebavron Gujensky, who was also sick. He was, uh, they, they beat him up, and he was a sick person and uh, was killed in the ghetto at the end. And a muddle. Remotel's Hanhaga in the ghetto, Remotel went from being a hermit to being a hermit that was the Das Torah. And for the Bnei Torah, for the handful of Bnei Torah and people, he was the Chizuk. His own Hanhaga in the ghetto didn't change. He was the only person who didn't register in the ghetto. If you didn't register in the ghetto, it meant you didn't get food. And uh, if they caught you, you were shot on the spot. He felt that his mahalach has to be chabi. He's, he's not, he doesn't exist. He cannot never walk out in the street. If he had to go someplace for kuch nefesh, he would run out in the middle of the night. He, he, was, he, he wanted to disappear. He felt that his, his metzias has to be to be gone. He didn't take, being that he didn't take, he didn't get a card, he refused to take any food that was given out. The food was given out by the ghetto, but, but it was given out by cards. So he felt that if he's taking, he's taking somebody else's. Kovnerov was very angry at him, and he said, there, every day people die, and you're, taking the, you're not taking anybody else's, and this and that, and their mother refused. And he would only take things that people were able, people were able to barter out, food and take things, and so on and so forth. That's what he took. He's, he learned all day the same way. His Hanhagen learning was he very really needed Tzvarim. He would pace the floor back and forth, back and forth, back and forth all day long. That's how he learned his 50 Bat Biyun. That's everything. He would pace back and forth and learn it Balpe. Um, his Meshamish, Rav Shimon Segal, was once by the Kovner Rav in the ghetto. And Kovner Rav asked him, Nurab Shimon, I'd probably call him Shimon at the time, was Herzog mit Mottl Tavrike? What's doing with the Mottl? So he, he wanted to, they say it's kind of a cute remark, he says, he's, he's, in, in Yiddish that means he's going back and forth, it's an expression that means he's sort of aimlessly drifting. And Kamdra got very angry, what's meinter? He said, you mean that he's pacing back and forth? Do you know that he knows almost all of Torah Balpe? It was a very litvish diuk. Doesn't say all of it because there may be a there too. But Kemat, he, he said, just because you don't see a safer, he's learning all day. What, mean, what kind of language is it that Dreitzachino Karik? The man sitting and learning, that's what he's doing. But his anhogis of, of Tzitkis were incredible. 
let, let me d- describe what's probably the extraordinary anhaga. He wouldn't take food from the ghetto because he might be taking someone else's chalik. My, so he would take from people, people would die, and they would sell off stuff and would give it. So my father had a sister who she and her husband were taken away. He moved into the apartment, and he would sell off, and they would sell off their goods. Seeing that my father went out out of the ghetto, he was able to barter stuff. And he would bring back an egg, milk, a pat of butter. Those things were worth their weight in gold. He, was, he would sell something. And he would give it to the person, Zalman Kremerman. Again, somebody I knew, somebody that, that, that I spoke to many times. Zalman Kremerman, to bring to a muttle. And a muttle would sit down. A muttle didn't have food, hadn't eaten, literally, literally, literally. He would come in and he would tell him, that my father, my father sent you an egg. Aha, he says, where did it come from, the, the money? What, he bought it, some of his own stuff or sister stuff? His sister stuff. No. Zashayla says, first of all, Zashayla, do we question that she's living or not living? If she and her husband were killed, so if her husband died first, maybe it's her nechassim, and he can has a, and he might be possible Yerish because the brother's not here. Isn't that? No. I don't know. He said he would make a mark. Next is Legis Havek. This, where did this come? This came from this. I'm not sure. Um, his cousin, Herschel Lopiansky, would send food. He, so he would come in, Zalman Kremerman, and he would say, um, Bela Lopiansky sent you the food. He says, was her husband there when she sent it? Or she sent it? Say he wasn't there. If it wasn't there, it wasn't, it's not his, it's not hers. She has again. Then he, but, 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 he would say, Zalman, he said, Rebenzin, don't, don't, don't you dare tell him that he needed it. Don't tell him. Please, don't tell him I didn't eat it. Um, it, it, it tell him that you gave it to me and you don't know anything more. The, the seed was my senefesh to bring me food, and, and it would be an incredible riches to tell him that I didn't eat it. Don't. And that's every single thing. You bought him, you bought him this, that. Toiloyim. Look, check. Somebody described it. Rebzalman Kremlin describes it. He says, in the ghetto, we hungered all day and all night. Nobody starved to death, but everybody was, it wasn't like a concentration camp. It was a little better, but everybody hungered. He said, I thought about food all day long. And when I dreamt at night, there were two dreams. One dream was that a Nazi is banging on the door, and one dream was somebody's bringing me a loaf of bread. Nobody. And he said, it's, it was surreal, and Reb Mottl ate less than anybody else. And he's sitting there with an egg and, and it's not as if we're not even here for we have a tiniest one day and we're sitting waiting and, and, and this nobody knew when it was ending and, and, and it wasn't only the, the, the hunger pangs in the stomach everybody knew it's a question of life or death the egg might mean a difference and Reb Mottl sat there going through Yesh and going through Aisha and going through this as if it's after I say, you know, it's, 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 we're learning through a sugya where after, after a zat to lunch, we're going through a sugya now, being done. That was, that was the tzura of Reb Matl, day in, day out, whether it was toiloyim, whether it was he wasn't sure whether it was cooked, whether he wasn't sure. This, everything was put aside, no, with, with, with a tranquility and a calm that's incredible. I mean, we think we're big tzaddikim. We, after uh, a big lunch, we go down to the Esrik place, we take a magnifying glass, a black dot here, a black dot there. So a pocket full of money and uh, a full stomach with a big magnifying glass. And we say, we even do a little more tircha. And, and we, we pat ourselves. To sit starved to death with, with not knowing what tomorrow is and to be done on it. But it's usher. If it's usher, it's usher. It's not his, it's gzela, and I can't touch gzela. And, and, but, but I have to be sensitive to his feelings, because look, because he meant it well. That's, that was his anhaga for four years. S-s-s- nothing, nothing changed. There wasn't a difference between him before and after. The one difference was, he was niskak moted at Sibur. He would, he would be machriya shailas. And, and with Das Torah, he told everybody to shave. And he was shocked. And he said, he, himself, he said, if the Germans will force you to shave, if the Germans put out the decree to shave, it might be Agstana Misana and you might be Chayefi Maisenefish. 
If you shave now, then then there's, there's no iso. There's no chiyav in the So when the Germans will shave, it'll be with with with, with you'll you'll do it with blades. Now you can use a machine. And he passed. They should do that. Somebody once came. I know he got a hold of a bread, and someone else tainted. You, you ought to share it to everybody else. And he tainted chayecha koidman, the person who got the bread. It was ben Torah. And Reb Mordechai Zuckerman, he was a younger person, very chashet later on, a very chashet tamchav mishlaim. He 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 had a svara. He said that chayecha koidman is only when it's a vade that you'll be saved. But there's no vade about it. So just. It's 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 to relieve the hunger. So for that you order share. They went to a mottle and a mottle said, "It's a brisa, it's a mefurishadin, and and he should stick to it because that's the halacha." That was the way he saw things. He would um, ask him about running away and so on. It, it, those were shilas that came to him that he passed. But more than shilas and halacha. He, began, he would speak shmuzen, and he would give over the hashkafa, and he would give over a, a, a perspective about what's happening around him. Some of the things he said were he, he, uh, uh, an imra that was favorite that he would say always was he would say the psukim zanin arois from the shvarze remer. He said the psukim left the black frames in the chumash and they began to march in life. In other words, what we see here in front of us, but psukim tanach come alive. And he said, my father remembered, he would say many times one of his shmuzin was, he would say, "Ich zedonit kinatsis, ich zedonit kinatayichen." I don't see Nazis. I don't see Germans. Psukim tanach zeir. I see psukim and tanach. Ve'ha'oylal ruchachem ha'oyloisia. Yecheskel told Klal Yisrael. Kach Baruch told Klal Yisrael to Yecheskel. What you think you're going to do is not going to happen. You think you're going to become like the Goyim. You think you're going to be able to worship us or like them. I swear. I will be your Melech. If you want to, you'll be Mamlech me. And if not, I will take you forcibly. You're not going to be in Cover University. You're going to be in the ghetto. It's not going to help. He would say, he, someone asked him, what, what is it teaching us? What, what are we learning? And Reb Muttel showed him, he said, take a look. And he showed him all the, the Nazi guards around the ghetto. He says, what does it take for them to shoot? Nothing. He said, it's teaching us that we live because HaKadosh Baruch wants us to live. We've always been under the impression we live because we live. And if HaKadosh Baruch is geyser on us, so then we, we die. He said, this is real. He says, we live because there's a Devar Hashem every minute. And he would say sometimes, he said, normally Misa's Xera, he says, in, the, in, in this Kufa Chaim is Xera. But that was the way he understood it. They were, he once overheard someone at the beginning of the war, a person kind of sort of, you know, one of these hackers kind of person, that when they heard um, Russia was coming into Poland, you know, they'd split up Poland, he said, good, they should, you know, the, the They'll teach the Polakims Polak who are anti-Semites, teach them a lesson. It's good for them. It's good. I'm glad it's happening. And he got to very... He, 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 he had seen... He, 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 he said, Woe unto the people who think they crave the Yom Adin, the Yom Hashem. Why are you so eager for it to happen? It's dark and it's not light. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu brings Midas Adin into the world, the world is devastated. 
doesn't stop at the Polak. It, it takes, it exacts its midah every single place. Then he went to the next Pasik and he gave a graphic description that was horrific. Unfortunately, um, prescient. It says, the Pasik says, Kasha Yonus Ish Mipiari, like a person that would run away from a lion and a bear gets it. And then he comes home and, 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 and he touches the wall. And, um, and a, 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 a snake bites him. He says, You know what Yoyma Din is like? Do you know what the Tkuf of Din is like? He says, The head of the family is suddenly taken ill. And they go to the doctors, and nothing helps. And he gets weaker and weaker until he dies. And then they come home, and they sit shiver. And a week later, the mother doesn't feel well. And he went through this, the mother and one child and another child. He, he, he sort of echoed the Pasuk. He says, that's when there's a tkuf of Yoim Hashem, of Din Noira, that no one gets left. What are you waiting for? Why are you so eager for that to come? Somebody tried to bribe a, a god. Bederachlal in Europe bribes work well. That was the the little, and it, like I said before, the story with with um, Shapiro. Even the Germans sometimes rare times of fire to get some sort of taiva. But somebody tried and it didn't go. It backfired. And a model told him, "It's a, it's a pasik." He said, when it's not a molik, when it's any other guy, it's, it's taiva, taiva's mom and betza, money works. But when it's a molik, then it's kol kulay lahashmil harig, and limkarno lavodim doesn't help. There was a woman. An assimilated woman, a Jewish woman, assimilated, lived in Kavna. And when the, she was so assimilated, I guess, that they didn't know about her. And a German soldier fell in love with her, a Nazi fell in love with her, an officer, and um, was willing to do anything to marry her. And then he found out she was Jewish, and he, he despised her, dropped her, and, and you know, I, I don't know... I, no, the protim, what else, if she was arrested or not, but dropped her like, uh, he, not because of fear of his life, just she, she, he despised her. And her model said, it's a posik. You've been ravaged. What do you think you're doing when you're dressing up nicely? When you're going to put on golden uh, jewelry. When you're going to put on makeup, it's for naught that you're trying to dress up. They, 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 they've, they've despised loving you. They're looking for your life. When they crowd into the ghetto, there would be sometimes 10 families in one apartment. And her mother said, No. That's not what's happening. The, um, he spoke once about Philip, And he said something, an incredible deherent Philip. He said in the Megillah, you go from Esther being taken to Hashverish, Till the till the tzayim and the tefillah, till Esther inviting Haman and so on and so forth. He said, "What's the story of Balayla who nodash nasa melech? What's that story doing over there? What happened? Nothing. What good came out of it? You know, for what was it done?" So he said an incredible deherent fellow. He said, He said, Imagine if we were in the ghetto and Royalke, Royalke was the, the Nazi head of the ghetto, what to come through the ghetto with Kovnerov on the horse and say, He said, 
we would daven differently because we'd finally have some hope. He says we think that davening is that davening is best when it comes out of a tremendous desperation and tsar and sorrow. But he said tefillah requires a real belief that it can change and be different. He said Klal Yisrael was boxed in in the great ghetto of, 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 of Malchus Paras, knowing that they've been signed away to, to get killed. They davened. But the davening, it was, it, was a des- it was desperation. There was no, there was a lack of a real belief and a real hope that there would be, that there could be Yeshua. When they saw it, the davening for the first time took on a, a, an anticipation. Yes, nisim are possible, and there's what to hope for, and there's what to daven for. He had to speak about Kiddush Hashem. It was very difficult because you wanted to be mechazik the people in the ghetto to do what they can to live, and you wanted mechazik the people being taken out to be killed, that they be killed of Kiddush Hashem with the full understanding of a yid. And it was very, no one knew who would be going out to be killed. They were killed in the, in the place they were killed was called the ninth, the ninth Fort. There was a fortations around Kovna. This was closer to the ghetto. They would take out whoever was destined to be killed, they would shoot them there. You could hear the shooting from there. And he would say, he once got up to say, and he said a schmooze, and he would, when he wanted people to listen carefully, and like to, to think about what he said, he would cough deeply, like an artificial cough. To, and he coughed and he said, Bitty Evid, I would like to be in the ninth fort. Not the but Bitty Evid. And he went on to explain that. Mitzvah, what we have to do is we have to live, the v'chaibahem. And a person has to push to persevere and to live. But a person has to understand what it is, what Kiddush Hashem is, and, and, and the tremendous mile of Kiddush Hashem and people that, that, that went up on Kiddush Hashem. He said, and it's, funny, it's not clearly, it's not written up clearly, it's not the, if, if this is what he said, if not, the, it stands on its own. He said, when Rabbi Kiva was taken out to be killed, the Malachim, in the, in the period that we say on Yom Kippur, it says that the Malachim cried, and they said, the Malachim said it doesn't make any sense. And Akash Baruch Hu said, if you, if you say one more word, I'll bring them up bring back the world to Toyo Vavoyo and so on and so forth. So he asked, but Rebbe Kiva, Rebbe Kiva says, Kol Yom is So Rebbe Kiva understood better than Malachim. Malachim said it doesn't make any sense. Zutoyo Zuzchar, and Rebbe Kiva's Kol Yom How do you reconcile? And the answer is, Malachim Amasig as far as it's possible, never to be masik. Call it tefisa sichlis, das, yoidem is whatever you want to call it. That goes incredible length. But malachim don't have a rotsen. Malachim don't have a sheifa, they don't have a rotsen. They are what they are, and, and, they, and they, spin, they spin everything. Within this world, there is no mahalach. From Mrs. Rebakiva But Rebakiva was mitstayer. The, the Maila and the Darg of Tzadikim, of Adam, is that he, can, that he has a taiva. And taiva goes beyond the tfisa of Seichel. And the Maila mitzad tfisa, mitzad das, there was no makam for it. And in, in, in the das that was given over to the Bria. And the Malachim said, it doesn't have any place. 
but mitzad the mitz, but 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 Adam and the, and 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 Rebbe Kiva has himself the tchun of rotzen. Kol yom isim mitzdayer, and that goes beyond that. And that was sort of, I guess, the framework that <coughs> a person has to live with what's there becholma oidoi, and to sink every effort into it. Into, into, into living, but understanding that Kiddush Hashem is even greater than living, and to live with that paradox. And and people said that people who went were mechuzik from it, with the understanding, with the understanding that what they're going to is beyond. It's it's beyond what Malach Hashem understand. Only only Adam is typhus. That was that was what he gave over. He also gave over Divina Chama and he said all of the makis of Mitzrayim all of everything that we see the ten makis and, 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 and the drushes of, of how many makis of Lokal Ayam and Kirsi and, and he said the Torah is Miramazit in one word in that word done, the smallest word in the Torah, a two-letter word, includes in itself every single devastation of Mitzrayim. That was in, the, in that Nevoah, in that Donanechi. So when our Kaddish Baruch Hu will come, and and Veivesi, he used to say the Pasik. How much toiv is there in, a, in such a big pasik? If in the word dan there's so much churban, imagine how much toiv there'll be in that pasik. The um, one more area. He he lived with total emuna. Tranquility. The only time he said once that is a muno. It, at the very end, he had a moment of, of fright, but yeah. he, he lived oblivious. He wasn't registered. He, he, he would have close brushes with a, a Nazi soldier catching him. It was oblivious. <coughs> but he was able to understand. That there's a saying that the bigger the person is, the lower he can stoop. He was able. There were two mice and very similar. Um, both of them, one of them, he would say over one of them, Adam. In 1944, Pesach 1944, it was before Pesach, the Frumayidin, the Neitaira, had made super heroic efforts to get a little flour to bake matzahs. Everything was a phenomenal hassle. Tremendous business. Selling off stuff, getting a little flour, grinding it, finding a place to bake it. It was an incredible effort. And people baked matzahs. A few days before Pesach, there was a terrible the kinder aktia. It's when they gathered in all the children of the ghetto and took him and shot them to death, including my sister, my brother, Dina and Aaron David, and we spoke about destroying hope. It was the most devastating thing that happened. People felt, you know, we may or may not survive, but at least there's a new door. And two Tishiva Bachim, Shimon Segel and Balakhaim Chaim Zalman Kremen were walking the street after Kinatia and they saw Matzis, Sidurim, Chomashim thrown out. People had thrown it out. And they were shaken to the core. And they went and they told her, Matl, Matl sank in the thought. And he says, It's a Muna. Because when a child kicks his father, it's because he knows that his father is the one who has the final say. When you rebel against someone, the rebellion is a statement of amuna. Because you couldn't be angry if you didn't think that it could be. He himself told over a story, and I guess it was the same to Kufa. 
after the war he told over that he was a husband was walking in the street with a child and either was great for that axia or it seemed to have been a, it must have been a different axia because it wasn't Friday that axia that axia was on Monday and a Tuesday and he comes home and he sees his wife had set up the candles to bench licht and in a fit of anger the husband throws the licht down and he says there's no more candle lighting it's over with and his wife stood there stunned for a moment and she realized what happened and slowly she bends down puts him back and bends licht and her mother said what the father did is an expression of Amuna. Same reason. Same reason that we said. said the mother's Amuna belongs to the world. Finally, Russ. <laughs> At the end of. 44, the Nazis were being routed all over. But Amalek's Amalek, he works the Shema, and they decided they would liquidate the ghetto. Um, so anybody who was able bodied, they took to Dachau. People were afraid to go, they thought they would be killed. And. Um, Rebuttal said, no, he, he, he said, I'll be safe. Anybody who's strong enough, he said, should make a go for it, they'll survive. My father, Chayim Rachel, went to Dachau, survived. Rebuttal himself couldn't walk across uh, 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 the street. He was very weak. He couldn't walk up a flight of steps. He, he was on a second floor, and it was very hard. And he asked somebody if he could find him an apartment on the ground floor. And he just found a room in a ground Apartment meant a room next and when Muttel goes in, looks at the room, doesn't say anything, and he paces back and forth 15 minutes. The guy's trying to figure out what's he doing. Like, why doesn't he decide? He wants it. All of a sudden, the lady next door comes in and says, who's pacing? I can't tolerate that pacing. So Muttel said, it's not for me. I know, I, I can't stare somebody else upstairs. I don't seem to bother anybody, and as hard as it is. Muttel himself couldn't, Muttel himself could not go to Dachau. And he, uh, and instead he decided he has to hide. The Nazis said, whoever doesn't go, they're burning down the ghetto. He hid with eight other people in a, in a, in a, in a basement kind of, they, they would make, they would dig out something. Most of the people, who, many other people tried that, other people tried that, almost everybody was found and killed. The Nazis went from building to building, dynamited and burnt it down. The wooden buildings they burnt down, people were burnt inside. Um, the, 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 the blocks, the, the, the buildings made out of cinder blocks, were, they exploded with dynamite. The Nazis went through the ghetto. They got to his building. His building was cement blocks. And they blew up half of the building. And then it was late. They, went, they took a break. They said, they'll come back tomorrow. They heard him saying, we're coming back tomorrow to finish the rest of the building. When they left, after some time, Reb Muttel walked out, and they saw the entire ghetto devastated until their building, and half of the building is, is, is collapsed. Reb Muttel said, a nace like this happens once in a lifetime, and you can't be saimich, it's a simon we need to go. They went to the fence that surrounded, it was a, it was a barbed wire fence, through all the burning and the dynamiting and everything it had become very loose, they pried it loose, and they escaped there. There was there's more. I don't. It's not, I, it, it was a long trek until he. It was they had to hide for a few weeks or months until the Nazis were routed from there. He stayed in Kovna for a few months, but there wasn't anything to do in Kovna. The Russians were there. It was communist. There couldn't be any Yiddishkeit, and he ended up and spent the last years in France. In France, there was a place where many. Many of the refugees ended up in France, um, and he immediately went. There were two yeshivas established there. He became part of it. He was the das Torah in France at that time. This was from 1945 to 1950, approximately. And the Baron Kotler said, anything that has to do with Farad Sola, he's the person that's that's to be asked. 
he said shmuzen shurim. He was mekar v'chaykim. He had a tremendous. He felt that being himself, he was a baltruva. He he would speak to students, universities at universities. He had a tremendous chush for giving over in simple language for people. He was at a chasna of one of the refugees, and they, somebody decided to make a little bit. There wasn't much we sing about. So they bought the chasna and kala, a tiny gift. And they spent the better part of a day wrapping it, one wrap, another wrap, another wrap, another wrap, another wrap, until it looked like a huge box. And at the chasna, they presented the chasna and kala, and they unwrapped, 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 and, uh, and until they got this little chachka, and everybody laughed, it was funny. Remotel got up to speak, and he said, Ayashakoyach, to the people that did it. He said, it's such a vivid demonstration of what's life like. We're, we're going to come to the next world with this huge packet. Ah, learning, davening, stalker, maizim, toivim, tzitkis, chasodim. Ah. He says, and they'll start opening and opening and opening a packet. He said, I've never seen such a vivid demonstration of what, of, of, of what the Yemedim will look like. He would always say, I'm not scared of death. I'm scared of the minute after death. That was, he, he lived it. He was there, and he was Mashpia. He was the Dastaira. There was our own Rabbi Kreiser. His father's kind of Rabbi Ban Kreiser was was there, and he was one of his Chavivim. He got a lot from him. He he, he was Yoinik a lot from him. And um, he, a year in 1949, he married. He never wanted to marry. He was afraid that he was too much of a burden on somebody. He was sitkas and his chumras and his learning and this. He, he recognized that his anhogas were not anhogas that were shayach to, to, to a normal lifestyle. But they pushed very hard. And he had told somebody in the ghetto, told him, Oi, he said, Rahman, you're here, you're not even married. He said, I will be married someday. And there was a woman, a Ishak Doyla Adma Oid, Ishak Doyla Vachashuva, from Siddisha background, who wanted him, a Bentaira, got married to him. A few weeks after his chasna, he got sick, or at least they found out that he was sick. He had cancer, um, and he was nifter a year later. They 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 brought him to Yisrael Kfura. Um, Panevidrov, by the way, had wanted him to be um, in Panevidj Yeshiva. He had come a few times to France to ask him to become Rashiva in Panevidj, and he refused. He he knew there were. He knew Rav Dastov was there. He knew um, that Rav Shmuel and Rav David were there. He, he didn't want to intrude on somebody else. Um, and there was the only, the only two people the Chazanish ever was Malave to the cave in itself. The Chazanish used to be Malave in the house and, and, and stand and wait till and, and go back. He was he never knew Rav Matl. but someone saw him afterwards. He was standing over the over the cave sobbing. And someone asked the Chazanish about the model. And the Chazanish said, I know people that don't stop talking and learning. But that the machshav of a person could be davak and learning all his life, all the time, that I've never seen, never heard. In other words, the Chazanish's hierarchy was for that. I want to try to step back a second. And how do we understand? It, it, it seems if he would have lived afterwards, he, he could have recreated the Shiva world. He, who knows? What kind what life was it? The life was for that, for the ghetto and the, and the, and the years in France. In France, he, would, he, he, he was very insistent that they try not to settle Jews in France. He said France is, is, is a place that's it's, it's not going to be good for the Ruchnius. He, he, he went in the schools that he opened for the kids. He didn't want them to learn French. He preferred English, actually. He said, America's a place, Nazi is a place. France is not a place. And, we're, and, and it was difficult because the French Jews were the ones involved in running it. And he had to, and, and they were doing what they could to run these schools and homes. And he basically insisted there's no future for Yiddishkeit in France. It's either America or it's Israel. Depending on each person, what was shaykh to him, he would send them either here or there. I, I, there are two thoughts that come to mind. One of them is the um, a word that he himself used to say over from Kovner Rav. 
the Koyin Godel, who when the Yavonim came into the Mikdash, and everybody was, 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 was traumatized, running all over the place, running, jumping, screaming, fighting, one Koyin Godel had the presence of mind to take a flask of Shemin, to be it and to hide it, because tomorrow there'll be a menorah again, and we're going to need Shemin Atar again. He would say it over from Kovner Rav and very admire Kovner Rav's Hagasha. There was one Yid, one Pach Shemin, that stayed through and came out of the other side. The, 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 nothing, his learning, his Sitkis, his, his, his Ashkafa, nothing. That, that he himself was he was going as a parshemin from one tkufa to another tkufa, and and there's another description that comes to mind when you think about it, and you think about all the kedushin we have. It's a parsha in Daniel. The parsha in Daniel, Hanani Mishal Vazaria were the 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 wanted people to worship Avodah they refused. He tossed them into the fire. And it says, Beidayan, Guvrayi Ilain Kfisu, Besarbelehoin, Patishhoin, Bekabalosan, Vushayan, Uremi Legoi Atu Nuri Karato. They took Hanani Mishal Bazaya in their full clothing, bound them up, and tossed them in the fire. The Pasik doesn't say why. It, I mean, the flow of the Pasuk sounds as if it was just sort of a, um, it, it was done kind of bebehola. Chazal say, melamid, that a person should never lose his dignity. And if they, if this was the garments they wore, day in, day out, this would be the garments they would wear when they're tossed in the fire as well. It was, it was their own choosing. And then it says they tossed them into a very big fire. And then the Bukhanetza Malka Tove Vikombis Bala. Omavili Davroi, Halegufin Klosser Minal Gunura Mikafsin. Didn't you throw in three people? And they said yes. He said, Hano Hosi Gavin Arboin Shayan Mahalchim Gunura. And so on. I see four people walking in the fire, and the fourth one looks like a malach. So, how does a guy look at it? So, Nebuchadnezzar was, was extremely, ah, the fourth one, where it looked like a malach, and it was, it was malach of real. Chazal have a very different cook on it. Chazal say the three of them were ahead of the malach. Because a malach in Aish, that's his environment. But when a person walks through fire unscathed, when a person is a mahalach by Aish, he's ahead of a malach. The, the Nebuchadnezzar didn't know what Surah Sodom was, and the Melech couldn't see it. So if him a malach, wow, look, the fourth one is a malach. But Chazal said, the one trailing behind the three is... A, a, a malach, a malach trails behind a guvin yudain that walks through nura, that walks through fire, not by whatever desire. A demus of someone that went in with his full rabbonus, with his full regalia, with his teira, with his machshava, with his musa, with his amuna, with his sitkis, into a fire. We saw it. We we picture it. That's what Adam is. And maybe when Malachim didn't understand, Malachim trailed behind her back even as Elvanai. Because a Malach Ad Khan. But when Adam steps into the fire and doesn't lose a Mu'uma, that becomes the Tsuras Adam Begoinura. That becomes the Arz Elvanai. That's the Dmus of someone who's Tyra and Tfila and Yira was tested in the Aish the Aish de Nur and fires that never were five years of burning of hunger 
of, of, of watching Ritzicha after Ritzicha, of, of, of seeing everything devastated and destroyed, and hold on to a Pach Shemen, and walk out unsinged, Ruchnius, and relight the Meir again. Those are the hours of Levan of Kal Yisrael, and that's what we're making today. Az elevanai na direa toira balitresin bimishno vigimara